0: And I have had the opportunity to meet a lot of people across the world who are who are working really hard on doing some important things. And, and some of them are gonna are gonna succeed, and some of them are gonna come up with things that will, you know, make a difference in the world.
1: Welcome to the Ethical Rainmaker, a podcast that explores the world of inequity and nonprofits and philanthropy, including where we should step into our power or where we should step out of our way. I'm your host and fellow traveler on this journey, Michelle Shireen-Muri. We're here to bring zero-cost information, case studies, and inspiration to everyone who wants to do better on this journey in the third sector, like nonprofits and philanthropy. And for those of us listening in real-ish time... It's the height of another COVID bout, and I myself am recovering as I record this episode. So for everyone out there, mind those long hours. I know we're all experiencing high stress loads and carry a lot of responsibility. So a reminder to stay engaged with the people and things that bring you personal joy, keeping an eye to what you can let go of, and notice what doesn't serve your ultimate purpose. Social impact is defined by Stanford as how organizations or people's actions affect the surrounding community. But in the third sector and business, quote, for good, social impact and innovation are often coupled together as something that investors and donors can contribute to, something that drives real change. But what is true social impact and what does innovation truly look like? Bob Osborne is today's guest, here to talk with us about social impact, social good, and the myths that we pursue around innovation. Bob is principal consultant at the Osborne Group with over 25 years of experience in the nonprofit sector. Bob brings his expertise to his clients, the organizations whose boards he serves on, and the pro bono projects he assists with. He believes that civil society has a critical role to play in making the world a better place. He specializes in organizational management, including strategic planning and scaling fundraising programs. He's also known for his international work, working with clients and other NGOs on a diversity of projects in Europe and around the globe a well-known international speaker and workshop leader. Bob works with all types of organizations and all sizes. Bob, thank you so much for joining us today to have this discussion about social impact, social innovation, social good, and all the myths that we believe around it. It's so great to have you here with us today.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, as you know, I'm a, a fan of the podcast, so excited for this to be my first podcast.
1: Yeah, so excited. I'm so excited that it's your first podcast. I'm sure not your last. Um, it's A joy to connect with you again and to have this conversation. And I was just thrilled when you and I first talked um, a few weeks ago, after sometimes working with the same clients and being in similar spaces, it was such a relief to hear you share some of your experiences and such a joy to hear you talk about some of the experiences you've had both uh, here in the United States and abroad. Around the different projects you've worked on, including projects that involve social impact and innovation, I guess the first question I would have for you is: How would you describe social impact and innovation, and the way that we deal with it or talk about it in the third sector?
0: There's a lot of different and broad um, definitions of it. So there's kind of the the startup idea of it, where we're talking about new companies that are solving big problems like climate change or food insecurity or and you know other big um, big issues like that, and then there's the the more corporate side of this, which is around ESG, which is uh, stands for environment, social, and and governance. Uh, and I think it all kind of gets lumped into the same boat. Uh, when I think there's there's like important differences between how we approach all of that, all of that work. Uh, and so because it's so broad and it's so not particularly well-defined, I think there's a lot of myths around it. And there's a lot of misunderstanding around what it is and, and, and how we use it and what, what we do with it. And so I started on kind of a journey five years ago to kind of figure out, well, what is this? And I still don't have a great answer, to be perfectly honest. you know, It's not totally clear to me what it is and how viable it is and, <laughs> right. and what's happening with it. Uh, I think I was excited about the idea of all of us in the third sector and, and the for-profit world really thinking about, you know, how can we have social impact? We have such big, big problems in the world today. And it's been, yeah, it's been an interesting journey because I it didn't take me exactly where I thought it would.
1: <laughs> That's such a diplomatic way to speak about your journey.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, so I started off just excited. I think as a consultant, I thought it was important for me to understand this space. You know, I thought... Uh, I was excited by it. I thought it was important for me to to be thinking about this, just from a career perspective. You know, as a person right. who's, who's been in this business for a while, uh, I recognize that this is something new. This is something interesting and exciting, and, and I have probably another twenty years of work ahead of me. So I better figure out <laughs> what what this is and how it might affect the work that I do in the not for profit in the not for profit space. And so I literally started just calling up people and talking to people within the space and asking them, you know, what, what is this space? Like, what is social impact? What is social entrepreneurship? What is social impact investment? Uh, and got many, many different answers and many, um, many responses And you know, from it being the thing and the thing that's going to transform our sector and this really important change where we don't really need the third sector anymore where this is the change is really going to come from the business sector and and social impact is just going to be built in to the companies that you know that are being formed now to esg which you know i have lots of thoughts thoughts on but right. you know um, companies thinking about how they can approach the environment, social governance, and just how they conduct themselves uh, and everything in between. And, and, and it poses a lot of interesting questions as well because, you know, again, there's just not a lot of agreement about what this is. And depending on where you go, you'll get very different answers. So I'm involved with a few accelerators. From them, it's going to be about startups. I went to Columbia's business conference, and for them, it was all about ESG. Uh, and you won't find much talk of one at the other.
1: Note to the listener, ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance concerns. So the E in ESG stands for environmental criteria, which is something like the energy your company takes in, the waste it discharges, the resources it needs, and who's affected by the taking of those resources, like the people, the animals, the earth. S stands for the relationships that your company has with institutions and individuals in a community and the reputation that it fosters. So that can include things like labor relations or the addressing of diversity, equity, and inclusion in a corporation. G stands for governance, and in this case, that's the internal system of processes and procedures that a company adopts in order to govern itself. So that's a little bit about the corporate acronym ESG. Interesting to note, I too have been in some of those spaces, um, including some of the conferences where it very much has the feel of what I imagine when crypto started up and there's a lot of excitement and folks who are evangelizing about this new new form of money and this new way of doing things, et cetera. There's a lot of kind of evangelism and excitement and this idea that we don't need the old thing. This is the new thing. Let's move on. And I honestly, and I think it's partly because there are lots of entrepreneurs involved and lots of startups and you and I are both entrepreneurs, but, but I know that at, at the conferences that I've attended and in those spaces that I've uh, had the uh, privilege of being in very much this a similar kind of energy of whatever we're building because usually folks were representing their own entities or own social good efforts whatever we're doing it's going to be better and different and we're not going to need the old thing and this is the new thing and a lot of evangelism and excitement and you know I felt like being in those spaces it was pretty contagious and then sometimes the outcome of those efforts looks something like. Tom's, for example. Tom's, uh, for those who don't know, is a shoe brand. Tom's shoes send one pair away to another country every time you buy a pair of their shoes. And they serve it with a side of religion. And so I think, you know, they got a lot of accolades when that program first started for being innovative and new and they were going to, you know, for every person who bought a pair of shoes, someone who doesn't have shoes is going to get a pair. And honestly, I've owned a pair. They're really poorly constructed. And and, you know, there's again, there's a side of religion served with it. So is that innovation? Is that what social impact looks like? Have you have often been my questions? Are we really being innovative when we're doing this work?
0: Well, I think I think this falls into two categories. Right. So there's the Tom's Bombus, Warby Parker model. Right. Where right. you're you're. Look, you're arguably doing something that's good and useful. I don't want to take away from that. But sure. is the world going to change, you know, one sock at a time or one pair of glasses at a time or one pair of shoes right. at a time? No, I mean, right. these are laudable, good things to be doing, but it's not going to be these are. this isn't going to transform uh, the world. So you have you have that side of things where you have big companies that are scalable, that are large, that that do some level of philanthropy you know, and do some and have some consciousness about doing a social good, which is great. Uh, And then you have the other side of it, which I think is more often falls into just traditional philanthropy. They they call it social innovation they call it impact investing, but they're grants. Uh, They're grants and and they're given to, again, good small organizations usually that are arguably doing good work, Uh, but again, not going to change the world. And they're not the kind of, companies while they're often for profit or B Corps that are going to scale in a way that's going to make, make a difference. And so you have this big gap right. in the middle where I thought the energy was. And I was that's the thing I was excited about was like, where can we find yeah. these companies that, you know, can, can hit that Silicon Valley goal of, of 10 X, you know, scalability
1: yes. uh, but
0: are also going to be doing, you know, solving the energy problem or, or whatever, whatever it might be. And what I found in in my journey and just talking to a lot of people is like that just doesn't exist. Like it's it's not a thing. Um, I'm sure there are some examples out there and some exceptions. I I don't I don't doubt that. But for the most part, you know the the people who have the real capital who invest in this, you know the the Silicon Valley people, and that's a whole other discussion about the availability even for capital for this in the first place, even if there were oh, some yeah. companies, um, right. you know, are not particularly interested in this because it's hard to if, if you're focused on social good, they get nervous that you're not gonna be able to hit that that 10X. And it's a rare it's a rare company that that can make a credible case for for doing for doing both. Uh, so they're not particularly interested. And then you have another group of people who again want to do good but because they're not really doing it from an investment perspective, they're not pushing these companies to, to perform, they essentially become grants. And so these companies right. do good work, but they're not, they're not scaling because they're not necessarily built to scale in the first place. Uh, they're just good companies. Like, not everything is a... 10x startup, many most
1: companies like
0: you're my company, we're not gonna, we're not investable. That's okay. No. (laughs) Right. It's good. We probably
1: prefer it that way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: And and what's missing is, is the investor who's willing to take a 3x return or a 4x return, you know, that is it that's okay, with the social good that's going to be done at the expense of that, that big, big return. And again, it's not that this doesn't exist, but it doesn't exist the way I think we believe it exists out there in the world. Like w- walking into this, I just assumed there was going to be, there's like all these social impact investors and there was, yes. and there's all these institutional investors with big endowments that are investing uh, in right. this as well. And, and they are, but not in what I would consider, you know, true social impact.
1: Bob, you sit on the International Advisory Board of the Czech Fundraising Center in the Czech Republic. You're on the International Advisory Board of the Impact Hub Belgrade in Serbia and the Advisory Board for Impact Hub Metropolitan in New York City. And I know you're a mentor to a number of social impact startups in the U.S. and the Balkans. When you're tackling, you know, these realities, like the reality that there is no 10x, 10x doesn't exist, maybe 4x, maybe 3x, you know, Maybe investment exists, but maybe only to certain people and in certain ways, right? What are you usually advising when folks are taking on really big visions and attempting to change the world through their projects? How do you advise folks to do that? And I think before we get there, could you talk a little bit about like what even is an X, right? Like what would a 3X return look like? What would a 4X return look like?
0: Yeah, so I started started doing some work in, in Serbia for some friends who had started the Impact Hub. Uh, there and I'd run into impact Hub in Czech Republic uh, years before and was really interested in what they were trying to do which is really nurture social impact and and really and many of them not all but many of them have accelerators associated with them and what an accelerator is is accelerators and incubators you know they help companies uh, get the skills they need and and often the startup capital they need to to start to be to be viable uh, viable companies, and so that was a really interesting uh, idea for me, and and I was excited to be involved. And because Serbia is Serbia, it's kind of an important country only in the sense that that's where the last year. Well, I was about to say that that's when the last European war started. It's not true anymore, um, but it was, Ugh, you know, sadly. yeah, in the '90s. And so there's there's a real global interest in in that that part of the world being stable and. And so met lots of really interesting people that were involved in this space, investors and, and the like. Uh, and so I was able to kind of get an education that I would not ordinarily been able to, to get because these really strong and interesting Silicon Valley people were coming through. And I would just, you know, pick their brain for everything that I that I could. Oh, that so sounds like fun. I know something, but I'm not an expert <laughs> at this. And so, and I sort of learned as I as I went along. But the idea is, you know, for for startups, the the idea is you're trying to get a 10x return. And so you invest in a bunch of different companies with the understanding that nine out of ten of them will fail, but that the one company that gets 10x, 100x, the Uber, the beyond the Facebook pays for all the all the other mis- all the other mistakes and so you're willing to put mm-hmm. in a certain amount of capital uh, across a, a wide swath of organizations to re- to get that return but obviously when you add in the social impact part of things you know that that adds a, an additional layer of, of complication you know especially even if you start off right intending to do a lot of good, just that that pressure, right, to to scale and to to um, you know to achieve that 10x can can easily derail you know the mission. So you can have okay. organizations that mean well and start off well, uh, and then can kind of get shunted off in a in a different uh, in a different direction. And and the reality of and this is sort of another side project. I don't remember if we got a chance to talk about this when we were. We we had a good wide ranging conversation last
1: week. Yeah, we did. (laughs) Tell me (laughs) about it. I'm into it. Yeah. (laughs) My
0: my other interest is trying to get capital for minority, um, you know, BIPOC, women led startups, just because I think after the pandemic, it was like 1.5% of, you know, venture capital went to like um, a minority startup. And and that's indicative. One point
1: five percent. One point five percent. I think that's the,
0: st- the statistic, the latest statistic that I that I heard. And and almost literally, what I've realized: if you didn't go to Harvard or or Stanford, it's super hard to get the money. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but really not by much, much, right? You basically need
1: Ivy league connections. You need connections, wealth. You need to walk in those circles. You need to have access to some lever of power. Exactly.
0: And, and so when you add all this up, you know, it's really (laughs) hard. And what I, what I try to do less than I, I, the advice I give them is to, is to try to help them really work on the fundamentals and, and make sure the business is sound and all the like. But what I try to do is, is, um, is make them aware one of the challenge that's that's in front of them, um, and two, to help them as much as I can and make the connections with other people that I know that that are sympathetic, which which tend to be people of color because of, they face the same same issues and are having the same frustrations uh, as these folks in the Balkans are, are having, even though they're, you know, they're um, you know they're white and they're uh, from Serbia and Croatia. And, Bosnia, and, um, and it's, it's challenging.
1: You're listening to The Ethical Rainmaker, and I'm your host, Michelle Shireen Miri. We're speaking with Bob Osborne of The Osborne Group, and together we're taking a look at what efforts get referred to as, quote, social innovation, and what it might really take to achieve true social good. Now, a word from our sponsors. As a consultant, one of the biggest pain points I see is a lack of organization internally. Many community-based organizations and smaller and honestly sometimes larger nonprofits as well are using spreadsheets or clunky databases that take a lot of time to use. And maybe your organizational system isn't really understandable to others who need that information. Ultimately, what all that means is that many opportunities might be left on the table. The vision for Neon One is that untapped generosity is unlocked when nonprofits have affordable, connected tech and resources. That's why they've built an entire ecosystem of software and services to make it easy for your nonprofit to create amazing generosity experiences. Visit neonone.com slash Michelle for more.
0: You know, if you don't have the friends and family to fund your initial startup, which is probably going to be between the tune of two hundred fifty and five hundred thousand dollars, just to right. get it off the ground and and have it be a viable company of some kind, of kind that you know that an uh, angel investor or you know um, seed stage investor might be interested in, you can have a great idea, but it's 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 not even going to. It's, it's never going to see the light of day. It's a little depressing Michelle. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic that that things will get better I think they I think it will take time for for things to to improve and uh, I, I think the idea behind social impacts and social entrepreneurship is a good a good one I, I no longer think that it's going to solve the, the world like I've kind of come full circle I started off you know as a slightly frustrated, person in the not-for-profit space saying like, ah, things are slow, things aren't changing the way I would like them to change, uh, I'm concerned about them, and and started looking around, like what else is there, and maybe the only way we can really scale change is for the business sector to to adopt it, and then just came back around realizing that it's the conditions just aren't there for that. And then there's Absolutely. there's problems with that, like how much do we, let's say there was five great social impact companies and they could change the world like how much power are we willing to give over to those five you know right social impact companies i mean in a lot of ways that's the world we face today right it's it's like there's a handful of people that are driving our future and in some cases it's clear who they are right now in other cases it's not but like that's a scary scary idea and and i've kind of come back around to the idea that you know, that this does have to ultimately be about people and, and political power and movements and, and that, that this isn't, um, it's, it's a part of the puzzle. It's, it's not unimportant. Uh, and it would be great if every company was a little bit more socially responsible. And, you know, that really would have a meaningful change in the world. But when I think about, like, is there a company that can generate 100x return for its investors and transform the world? I don't think so. And even if yeah. there was, there's a lot of problems with that, right? Like, right. there's like Google do no evil, right? I don't know how much how, how are we feeling about that
1: right now? Right. <laughs> After these last few years, how right. are we feeling about that? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a good example of even when people are well-meaning, uh, how much how much power do we want to hand over to a handful of people? Like the the whole model is arguably problematic.
1: When you're looking at what you believe does create change, what does foster innovation, what does move things forward? You know, just speaking to the you several years ago who was frustrated with the nonprofit sector moving too slowly and not doing enough to kind of, you know, move the dial further. What do you see as the things that help us really truly make good authentic change that drives the needle forward
0: well i think i think ultimately it has to be people and and people really rallying for whatever it is that they they think is important and that's a very i guess sort of movement oriented progressive point of view and 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 that's in some ways the the world i i come out of uh, in a lot of different in a lot of different ways i do think there's a place for social entrepreneurship and ESG. Like I, th- I think, you know, ESG, if we've kind of separated that, that into different things where you could make a better evaluation of, you know, what is this company actually doing? And you could have some thoughts in terms of your own values about whether you wanted to invest in this company or, or whether you wanted, um, You know, whatever institutional investor you're involved with, your endowment or your pension or just your mutual fund, you know, can make a better informed decision. You can make an informed decision in terms of talking, talking to those, those, um, you know, those investors and making sure they're investing your money the way you would like it, uh, like it to be invested. I think our sector does have an important role to play. Like I still believe very much in the third sector and the work that we do. I think it's important. I do think it can make. I do think it can make change. Uh, I think not by itself. I think you know, there's a. I think government is at a scale that it can make change, which has its downsides too, depending on
1: who's in right. charge
0: and what they're doing right. their vision vision for the world. You know, so I'll add democratic government can can, right. make,
1: can make change. Thank you for that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think ultimately we all have to make a decision to. To do this together, and for all of you know, companies have to think about it. We have to think about it. Just as citizens, um, the third sector has to think about it. And if all those things are are happening, then I think we have a then we have a chance. But if if we're going to just kind of sit back and and outsource it to the third sector, or the not for profits, and hope that you know we'll come up with something, we're not. There's just not enough of us where we really fill in. what which for a lot of people would would argue should should be done by government, you know, and and, yes. and so it's more right. gap filling in many cases than sort of innovation and, and moving
1: that's right and
0: moving forward. Uh, you have companies that I think, again, can be innovative. And I think there are areas where the profit incentive can be can be helpful. But but then, you, you know, you don't have to look very far to see how things can can completely go off the rails. Right. I mean, crypto is right. a great example of, of sort of you know, this, the promise of, of, of independence, financial independence and for people who are on bank to, to be banked. And, you know, as it turns out, um, I don't think it was a huge shock to, to many of us who are paying attention to be like a huge grift in, in, and, you know, and is falling apart uh, at, at the seams. And, you know, I think a lot of people are going to. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people actually will end up in jail. But we'll we'll see. It might take Ooh, <laughs> it. Might take a couple, take. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it might take a little while
0: to get there. But I think I think you'll see. I think you'll see that. But that's a good example of another, you know, another promise. And so I don't think we wanna just sit back and say, Well, technology will save us or social or this you know, social entrepreneur entrepreneurship by itself is going to save us. It's gonna take take all of the above and and be and kind of imagining how we how we live and how we do this, this work. And I think it'll be elements of all, all of those things. But um, if I had an answer, Michelle, I like a concrete answer. I would, I'd probably take it on the road and
1: (laughs) and, and shout it from the hilltop. Exactly. exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You'll know when I, when you see me doing that, you'll know I have it all figured out.
1: I like to remind myself whenever I'm getting excited about a new uh, endeavor, a new innovation to really look at, is this a problem that actually needed to be solved? <laughs> yeah. Or like, is this an issue? Like the app may be good, the product may be interesting um, and it may be fun to be on this journey, but also like, is this in the priority uh, set that I am living my values by, or that I am moving my mission towards. No, I, I you
0: know. think, I think that's exactly right. And there are no easy solutions. And I think that's, that's kind of the point. I mean, even the investing that I do has a lot more to do with helping people who are disadvantaged to have more access to the things that make people have power and, and wealth, and then than trying to change the world per se, you know, like yeah. I, I, the two are related, I think, but you know, when I I'm more looking at the people, the the founders as opposed to, oh, this is an idea that's going to change the world. I I don't think it's going to change the world, and I think we can see over and over where. You know, again, we get promised these changes, and Uber is going to transform, you know, cities, and you're not going to have as many cars on the road, and and
1: it's going to be inexpensive, inexpensive,
0: and it's going to give people, you know, work, and you know, and and too often, I mean, you don't have to look far in our world to see examples where we're promised a lot, and and not only does that promise not come through, but maybe the opposite of it actually comes through. You know, so I I just don't know that we want to be looking at the silicon valley model in terms of companies and, and social innovation from that that perspective that said i think i have i have some friends who are working on some interesting apps and platforms that that just let you as a person you know innovate not necessarily to, to have a huge return but right. to, to just teach people the skill the business skills they need to run their small little business and right. and, and and to just have a job and 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 i think this yeah. is actually It's pretty. It's pretty important. I mean, I I get a chance to talk to a lot of um, international development people, and Mm. the the big worry, you know, is that such a
1: sticky, (laughs) such a sticky space to work in. By the way, yeah, yes.
0: Well, there's a whole. That's a whole other conversation we could have. But yeah, but there's this global recognition. I think that there's just not enough jobs to go around, and and if people are going to actually. People are going to have to create their own their own jobs, uh, which I think uh, is, is, a, is a challenging situation be in.
1: You're listening to The Ethical Rainmaker, and I'm your host, Michelle Shireen-Miri. Did you know The Ethical Rainmaker is now accepting sponsors? You can join our community of individual supporters on Patreon. And if you want to find out how to get your name and work out to our ever-expanding community, drop us a line at hello at theethicalrainmaker.com. We would love to have you. Speaking of sponsors, we're so glad Neon One has joined the Ethical Rainmaker fam. Part of the reason I'm grateful for Neon One's sponsorship of the Ethical Rainmaker is because community-based orgs thrive when they put people first. That's the point of community-centrism. So what does a community-centric future look like? It looks like focusing on people and not their money, focusing on the experience of connection, of connecting with people. Neon One uses tech to accelerate that experience. Their mission is to connect nonprofits with technology and resources that personalize their generosity experiences. You can learn more today about their work at neon1.com/slash Michelle.
0: I, I do think there's interesting things out there around helping people to have those skill sets and to be able to just start a small little business like, like we have, Michelle. You know, these small right. small consultancies that that. Yeah. Are nice for us and and you know let us put food on the table and a roof over our heads for in our families and and
1: yeah an acknowledgement that besides putting food on the table and a roof over our heads and being able to live the lives that we want like this is also part of it has been uh for you and i has been a choice to have exposure to really amazing inspiring people that keep us going too yeah no i
0: i absolutely <laughs> i mean that's the thing that that gets me up um because I Mm -hmm. I still believe I do, you know, in spite of the things that I'm saying here, I I absolutely believe and have to believe and, and, and I get, I fall in love every day, right? With some some really cool idea or something that's really interesting that someone's doing or or something new and exciting that, that I want to try. And I have had the opportunity to meet a lot of people across the world who are, who are working really hard on doing some some important things and, and some of them are going to, are going to succeed. And some of them are going to come up with things that will, you know, make a difference in the world, you know, whether it will fully transform our world or not, I don't know, but I do know that if the business sector doesn't adopt this, we are truly in trouble, you know, you know, so it won't solve it in and of itself, but it is absolutely worthwhile to think about and to do and to um, and to push companies to be more thoughtful about it. So while ESG might be investing in a private prison right now, in some instances, mm. it doesn't have to be right. It, it We can, we can make people, <laughs> we can make people think harder <laughs> about yeah. it. And that's an extreme example, uh, but it's not a totally atypical example. You know, it's kind right. of ESG can be, you know, what you kind of make it and what mm. you want it to be. And, and I think in the hands of, of, socially responsible people, then it's an important thing and, and they will genuinely do the right things and make some some good investments and other people will will use it as as whitewashing, right? And they will they will right. um, it'll be marketing for whatever it is they're doing. And it's just another way to make make some money. But
1: um, but I think it's out there and people think about it and that's good. You just touched on so many things that we all should be thinking about as we think about how movements happen, how change happens, how transformation happens and what we need as humanity uh, to be able to survive and hopefully thrive um, on this earth, so we're talking about big picture and small. Thank you for going there.
0: Yeah, my my pleasure. It's always fun talking about this.
1: It is. It's really fun. So in this conversation, we have primarily ta- been talking about social innovation, social impact, social investing, and kind of you know some of the farce that's involved there, um, as well as you know what we could expect, what we can expect, and what we hope to achieve. When we're trying to attempt social good, I do have a fundraising question. Since you do all types of, sure. um, you work with all types of money, from the um, angel investing space is what I was hearing to the incubators for small businesses, et cetera. I've got a straight up fundraising question for you as well, and that that will move us in a different direction. With inflation rising, and there already being a huge need for many of the nonprofits that you're working with because of the pandemic. How do you help people plan for and tackle this? Like no one budgets nine percent for inflation, mm-hmm. but here we are. And I think you know top of mind for lots of nonprofits I've been talking to lately is how do we navigate a big change like that?
0: So I, I think it's important to recognize trends and understand the economy that you're that you're in. But I'm a, also a big believer in your own personal economy and and really thinking mm. about. Okay, yes, we're in inflation. Yes, we might be entering a recession. Like that's the macro trend, right? But what can I right. do in my world to to hedge against that in some in some way? And and I think you know there's there's always saving for a rainy day and there's always prudent financial planning, but I think from a fundraising standpoint to me it always comes down to stewardship and really making sure that your donors understand the impact that that they have that that the community has that we're all collectively having and that their money did something you know like it's that there's you promised them that if they gave you some money it would be put put to good use and letting people know what that good use was and 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 whatever difference that it, it made out there in the world letting them know about it and i think if people know if your donors know that they made some difference, big, small, whatever it is, but they played some role and some part in a larger scheme of, of, of impact that, that they'll stick with you. So to me, that's an important part of of any organization's, uh, sustainability Mm -hmm. is, is that commitment to communications, and in making sure that you let everybody, everybody, stewardship for all, $5 donor, volunteers, $100,000 donor, everybody deserves stewardship. Everybody deserves to know, you know, again, we make a promise to our donors that we're going to do good. And they're giving money to to us. And again, not saying there's obviously lots of other people involved with it, but that's our that's our interaction, right? As a not-for-profit and that donor, we're, we're interacting and we have an obligation to each other around that.
1: I think that's a great answer, and I, I agree with you. I'm hearing you talk about providing inspiration by sharing impact.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, and to me that's yeah. that's why donors give. ninety nine percent of people generally want the world to be a better place, however they define it and, and letting them know that whatever role they played in that is um, I think it's it's critical to, uh, to success.
1: Yeah, I agree. Bob, it's such a pleasure to get to know you. Thank you so much for being on The Ethical Rainmaker. Thank you so much for supporting The Ethical Rainmaker. It's just such a joy to chat with you today.
0: Yeah, it's been, it's been my pleasure, Michelle. I couldn't, couldn't think of a, a better podcast for me to do my, my podcast debut. So
1: <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh,
0: and uh, yeah, happy to, happy to be on, happy to support the podcast, and, and always happy to talk to you. So thanks for having me.
1: And that's it for The Ethical Rainmaker. We exist to provide zero-cost information, inspiration, and critique so that all of us can do better. So if you're here for it, please share this pod. Join our mailing list, engage with us on socials, write us a review. We're here specifically for you so that we can all do better. Thank you so out to our ever-expanding community of Patreon supporters, and that includes Bob Osborne himself. Thank you, Bob. And you too can join us on patreon.com special thank you also to neon one as one of our sponsors if you too are interested in sponsorship please feel free to reach out and drop us a line at hello at the ethical rainmaker.com the ethical rainmaker is produced by me and juliana mayo with socials by stacy Win creative and production assistance by coco decker thank you to bob osborne who you can find at the osborne group.com and as always find links and transcripts at the ethical our awesome theme song is i'm gold by the trick candles and you can find them on Bandcamp. The Esco Rainmaker comes to you again in two weeks, and you are going to love wet snacks. See you soon.